0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today First Pres Associate Pastor Tim Shaw looks at an open invitation in the Bible to explore what Christianity is all about. Here's Pastor Tim and the sermon Taste and See. Good
1: morning I'm Tim Shaw one of the pastors here and we're continuing our sermon series today using the text from the lectionary. Uh, Last week, Pastor Dan encouraged us to discover that great blessings await when we are willing to confess our mistakes and our failings to God. There is a blessing in confessing, he said. Today, I wanna build on that theme and really um, give us some additional reasons why it is possible for you and me to be honest with God about our need for forgiveness. The reason that we can feel free to be honest and transparent with God is because of the heart and character of God. We can confess our sins to our God because when we come to him, we discover that he is good and gracious and compassionate. And we need to know that our God is indeed a good God that can be trusted, especially during times like the ones that we're living through. When there is growing uncertainty and even like chaos in our lives, it is really good to know that our God is good and can actually bring order and even beauty out of chaos. If you're able, would you please stand with me if you're joining here with us in, at Kolau as I read today's text from Psalm 34, verses one to eight. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Psalm 34 is an invitation to every one of us. In verse eight, you and I are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. What the writer of this Psalm knows from personal experience is that God is good. The author of Psalm 34 wants you and me to discover that or rediscover that for ourselves. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's his invitation to us. Well, do you actually remember those days at Costco when it was possible to go shopping at Costco on an empty stomach? Not a smart thing to do, would not recommend going to Costco on an empty stomach because you're going to end up with way more food than you're going to know what to do with when you come out of the store if you go in there hungry. It really wasn't that long ago that you could go to Costco, super hungry, and eat your way around the warehouse, You know, walk down those canyons of food, and usually at the end of each aisle, there was a person dressed in white or with a hairnet on their head. and you offering you a sample. So you could just graze your way around the warehouse and come out uh, pretty satisfied by uh, your shopping was done. Uh, apparently, you can actually go in there and just eat and leave. I would never do that. You know, I would never just walk in there and just sample everything and, and leave without shopping. But do you remember those days when there was endless tasters and samples? Um, it was amazing. You know, there'd be people standing there at the end of the aisle and just... Um, offering you the latest cheese from France or um, what the new Impossible Burger tastes like or how this thirst-quenching new energy drink, what it's like. Uh, And it's pretty obvious what Costco's strategy is. Taste and see how good our product is. Because they know that if we get just a taste of the goodness of that sample of cheese, there is a pretty good chance that you're gonna throw a healthy portion of a Parmesan cheese wheel into your shopping cart when you've just tasted and seen the goodness of the cheese. In Psalm 34, we're invited to taste and see how good and gracious our Lord is. But maybe you're sitting here thinking to yourself, boy, I don't have a lot of experience with this guy that you're talking about, Tim, and that's okay. We're glad that you're here. Um, Maybe you're thinking to yourself that, What you're going through right now is really hard and it's kind of hard to believe that God is good. I understand that. But even if I do not trust in the goodness of God, even if I do really trust in the goodness of God, there are moments um, in my life, seasons even, when it's really hard to hold on to that conviction, even if I believe that. We think to ourselves, if God was really good, Uh, He certainly would not be allowing this pain or this hardship or this difficulty, these fears or this illness, this difficulty into my life. How can we hold on to the goodness of God when life is really hard or chaotic and seemingly filled with uncertainty? No matter what our experience or lack of experience with God might be, the psalmist still invites us to taste and see to come and discover once again, or for the first time, that God is good. Because what the author of Psalm 34 has discovered is that when we do taste and see that the Lord is indeed good, what he's going to encourage us to do is not just settle for a small sample, but to give our entire lives to this good God, even in the hardest times. When it comes to really trusting that God is good, no one has taught me more about the goodness of God than my friends in Africa. Remember back in May, I talked with you about the eruption of a volcano, Mount Nyiragongo in Eastern Congo that was threatening a city of one million people. That was just the latest challenge facing that part of our world. A place where rebel armies continue to threaten communities made up of people that I know and love. During that time, I received an email from a friend of mine in Congo who is one of the leaders in Eastern Congo, uh, Dr. David Kasali. He's the head of Congo Initiative. I've served on the board of Congo Initiative USA for six years now. And Dr. Kasali is one of the co founders of a Christian university that's planted right in the middle of war torn Eastern Congo. And during that latest um, upheaval in Eastern Congo, he wrote, an email message to us back in May. And I wanted to read to you a little bit what he said. He's writing this email from Uganda. Friends, today a lady in Entebbe asked my wife Cassie, what's wrong with Congo? What in the world is going on in that country? David says, yes, something is wrong with Congo. Something is wrong everywhere. But no, God hasn't left Africa or Congo. God is in the midst of our pain, writing a new hopeful chapter. You can only make a statement like that if you believe that God is good. And so he goes on to say, we lament and we pray. Let's be full of hope that our heavenly father has not left us, but he's involved and now writing a new chapter of our painful history. I have faith and hope that our young people will sing and dance again, that our elders will remember God's past acts of deliverance and give words of wisdom to new generations. And God, our eternal warrior, will save us and be exalted. That's the words of a man who believes that God is good. And then he goes on to to give us three words, three action words. First, listen. What is God telling us? in the midst of this challenge. Second, obey. It might seem crazy, he writes, but obedience is the name of the game. Take action, his action. Three, trust. Just trust him. He knows the way and the outcome. And David concludes this email message by saying, and so we say no to despair. And then he uses a Swahili expression that I shared with you before, which means we are together. He concludes his email by saying, and so we say no to despair. Tuko pamoja with Jesus for his kingdom come. I believe, do you? Signed, David Casali. Here is a brother in Christ who knows that God is good. He's tasted and seen that that is true, but he has done more than just sampled the goodness of God. He's all in. He's not just dabbled in the things of God. He's gone all in. Because he knows that God is good, he will not give in to despair, even when there seems to be every reason to just give up. It's that confidence in the goodness of God that has enabled Congo Initiative to graduate another 350 young men and women from our Christian university. These young adults do not intend to give in to despair. They wanna bring change to their world in the midst of great difficulties. In the face of enormous challenges, they continue to act because they believe that God is good their example, the example of these young women and men, shows me that it is possible for me to trust the goodness of God when my life or our situation is not what we would hoped it would be. So we are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good, but not to stop there, satisfied by a bite-sized taste of Jesus. We're invited to come further into a relationship with God and actually take refuge in him. A taste, a sample might make us curious for more, but a sample, a taste is not enough. We are invited to make our home in God and to find in him a refuge, a fortress, a stronghold that will enable us to face even the hardest times. It can be in the difficult times that we often discover, once again, that God is good. We can certainly experience the goodness of God when life is going well, but sometimes it is when life seems to be bearing down on us that we discover that we are not alone in our difficulties, but that our good God is with us. I think the psalmist does something really interesting as we, I'm gonna walk you through the beginning of this psalm, the first eight verses. I think he does something really interesting. He's like he's recreating a little group conversation. He's gathered his friends together and together they are reminding each other of the goodness of God based on their personal experience with him. So the first speaker starts out by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That is a defiant statement. He doesn't just say I will choose to bless the Lord when things are good. Yes, I will do that but I also make the choice to bless the Lord at all times, even when things are really hard. No matter what happens, no matter how difficult or painful things get, I'm going to look for a way to bless the Lord and to tell people that God is worthy of my praise. In the face of difficulty, in the face of pain, I am going to affirm that he is indeed a good God. And then another person in this conversation calls out, I will glorify in the Lord. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The speaker wants people to be encouraged by her confidence in the goodness of God. That the ones who are really struggling and hurting come to God and find a place of refuge, a home in him. And then another voice speaks out of their own experience with God. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. If we're filled today with anxiety, the psalmist invites us to come and discover how God can deliver us from our fears. If we've experienced failure and are feeling ashamed and embarrassed right now, the psalmist says, lift up your head, fix your attention straight on God, and he will transform the expression on your face From one that is gray and downcast to one that is radiant. And now listen again to verses 6 to 8. as someone else in the group testifies to who God is. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. In the middle of great pain and difficulty, the angel of the Lord sets up camp around us guarding us from ultimate harm. Yes, there may be pain. We may come out of that chapter in our lives with some battle scars, but God is present to protect us, to stand guard around us when we are under attack. And all of this is why the psalmist then go on to say to invite us to taste and to see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, how confident are we today that that is indeed true, that our God is indeed good? We have some advantages in our efforts to determine whether God is good that were not really available to the writer of this Psalm. We have the life of Jesus Christ and the testimony of the Spirit of God in our hearts and our minds to rely on as we explore the goodness of God. So the question really is, is how well do you and I know Jesus? The answer to that question will tell us something important about how well we know God. Since God in Jesus came to our planet, he is our best source of information about God. Some of us here today have a a pretty well-developed and accurate understanding of who Jesus is. Many also know him intimately and personally. Other of us maybe know little or nothing about him and we're just maybe beginning to explore who Jesus is and that is exciting. To have a faulty or inaccurate understanding of who God is, will have a negative impact on our lives. On the other hand, if we have a deepening, accurate knowledge of God, that will also have a tremendously positive impact on us. In addition to what we can discover about the heart of God by looking at the life of Jesus, we also have his own words. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30, Jesus reveals his innermost thoughts. This is a remarkable passage of scripture. He tells us, what he is like, and there's nothing more important for us to know about Jesus than what he says here in these verses in chapter 11 of Matthew. He says at the core of who he is, Jesus tells us that he is lowly, gentle, and humble in heart. Let me read you this passage from Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time Jesus said, I praise you Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to be by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. We wanna know God, we know God by knowing the Son of God. And then he says this remarkable, these remarkable sentences. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an incredibly important word for all of us who are living through these exceedingly challenging days. As we listen to the words of Jesus, is this who we understand him to be? Do we know him as one who is gentle, as one who is humble, as one who is lowly? Or is our actual working understanding of Jesus something different? Because we'll hobble our way through life with an inaccurate understanding of the heart of God. But if we can get a glimpse of who God actually is. If we can see deeper into the heart of God, our lives will begin to be transformed. I came across a video online about a man who is in his 50s. It's a video about a man who saw film of his father for the very first time when he was a man in his 50s. His father had died in an accident when he was only three years old He had only very foggy, vague memories of the man who was his dad. The absence of his father from his life left a wound still felt by this man in the middle years of his life. The only image that he had of his dad was a single framed photograph of his father in his Air Force uniform. That image, plus a few stories that he had been told about his dad, were all that shaped his understanding of his father. Then his own son came across two rolls of film. The label on the tattered film box seemed to promise that this might be film of his grandfather. It was. To surprise his father, he had the old eight millimeter film digitized and then set up a time to show his father what he had found. And seeing these moving images of his father, for the first time began to change this man. Let's watch a few
2: minutes of this remarkable story. My dad never knew his father. In 1957, when he was 31 years old, he died in a freak accident. My dad was just three at the time and so he grew up never knowing the man who helped bring him into the world. The only piece of him that he has and as far as I know the only piece he's ever seen is an Air Force portrait that he keeps on his dresser. You may remember my dad from a video last year where I made a recreation of a hot sauce that he used to sell that was stolen from him. And while I was digging through old photos and documents to do some research in order to make that video, I came across something. A box of eight millimeter film labeled Beverly Children. Beverly was my dad's name at birth, but it was also his father's name. And upon close inspection of one of the reels, a man can be seen who looks remarkably like my father. He's holding a child, presumably either my dad or his brother. And I'm almost certain my dad has never seen this footage. So today I wanna to try and give him a look at his father for the first time in his life. They said the footage is going to take about a week to process, so in the meantime, I want to learn a little bit more about my grandfather, or at least whatever my dad can tell me.
3: He was in the Air Force. He was a member of the Jolly Rogers unit. He was a uh, gunner pilot, flew 22 missions in the Korean War. Uh, I didn't see him, obviously a lot. Slim, slim memories of him. Not hardly, nothing. He's like a fog. I remember our house distinctly we all lived in, but I didn't see him much, probably, because he was in the Korean War. When he got out of the Air Force, he got tons of job offers in Memphis, and he refused all jobs. He wanted to go to Florida after the war. He just wanted to be a bartender in Florida for a year or two until he settled down. So yeah, I don't have a lot of memories. I wish I did. It's, it's unfortunate. I never got to know him.
2: Oh my goodness. He looks so much like my dad. I couldn't have hoped for anything better than this. So now I have to drive to Vermont to show it to him. I just really hope it makes him happy. Ready?
3: Yeah. Oh my God, that's my father. How did you have this made? First live video I've ever seen of him. Now he's walking down, there's this is Vero Beach. He says, come on. This is the year before he died. Oh, God. And he's in the water where he drowned. He's got a cigarette, he's almost burning me with it. We're opening up presents, it looks like. Oh, there's my mother. What a great picture of my mother. She was so lovely. can't believe he died a year from this. This happy man. Life would have been so different. Wow, I'm pretty well choked up right now. (laughs) Mm. Hmm. This is so great having this. I mean, I just, I can't believe I'm this age, and now I'm just looking at my father for the first time. And now I have a vivid picture of my father right now. it's right in front of me. I can see him, I'll see him forever now.
1: When he says, I can't believe that I'm this age and I'm seeing him for the very first time. Maybe that's true of you and me when we think about our heavenly father. You might be thinking, I'm this age and have I really seen my heavenly father? Is there more to know about him? Is there more that I can discover about his heart and who he is and his love for me? Even at whatever age, whether young or in our senior years, having an accurate picture of who Jesus is, who God is, will have a profound impact on your life and mine. One of the reasons that the Son of God came into the world was so that you and I could have a vivid, trustworthy picture of who our God is. What an incredible gift it is to have the scriptures that tells the story of and the life of Jesus. And as we read that story again and again and again and again, we begin to understand and see and know and trust this good God as we watch how he interacted with people and supremely how we see the glory of God when Jesus gives his life so that we might have life. If we want to taste and to see how good God is, that journey can begin today. And it begins as we commit to reading and studying and discussing and praying about what we read in the Bible. There is no substitute for being a faithful, committed student of scripture. Joining a rooted small group, as we talked about earlier in the service, is one of the best ways that we can offer you as a church. If you wanna discover how good God is, to do that in the context of Bible study and of in community. You see, the central question that we want to think about today is who is Jesus? Who is he really? What do I believe about him? And how well do I know him? Mike Pilivachi and Andy Croft, our friends from the UK, uh, recommended a book recently by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And in that book, uh, Ortland unpacks Jesus' affirmation that he is gentle and lowly. Right here in this passage from uh, the Gospel according to Matthew, the Son of God pulls back the veil just a little bit and gives us an opportunity to look way down deep inside into the core of who he is, and what do we discover? When Jesus wanted to show us what is at the core of who he is, he makes the surprising claim that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And when the Bible talks about the heart, whether that's in the Old or the New Testament, it's not talking primarily about our emotions. In the Bible, the heart is the central powerhouse of our lives, it's what gets us up in the morning, it's our motivational center. The heart is not part of who we are, but the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines and directs us, the heart drives all that we do, it is who we are. That's what makes these statements by Jesus so remarkable. When Jesus gets the chance to tell us exactly what animates him, when he gets the chance to share with us what's most true about himself, when he opens up about what is in his innermost being, he shows us that he is at heart gentle and lowly. When Jesus says, I am gentle, what he is saying about himself is that he's not reactionary. And from my perspective, I can frustrate him, I would think, but that's not who he essentially is. He's not reactionary. Dane Ortlund writes of Jesus, he is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. When Jesus tells us I am lowly, that means he's accessible. The doors are wide open. And that is another astounding statement. When we try and imagine the incredible glory of Jesus, his holiness, his power and might, it is so surprising that no one else in the history of the planet has been more approachable than Jesus. Again and again, he simply invites us to come as we are. There are no hoops to jump through, no walls to climb. He has done everything that is needed to make a way for us to come to him. We are simply invited to come and see. And here's all that's required to be able to come to Jesus. All we need to do is to open up ourselves to him. Our openness is all that he needs from us. And Ortland writes, gentle and lowly. This, according to his own testimony, is Christ's very heart. This is who he is. Tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing. If we are to, were asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honoring Jesus's own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. You see, gentleness is not just one way Jesus occasionally acts towards us. Gentleness is who he is, it is his heart. So here's the bottom line. It is only as we taste and see that the Lord is good. It is only as we discover more and more that our God understands us, has compassion on us, and that the doors to his heart are wide open. It is only then that we can begin to live the life of a follower of Jesus as the New Testament calls us to live. Orland writes, Only as we drink down the kindness of the heart of Christ will we leave in our wake everywhere we go, the aroma of heaven. So why is it so important to accept the invitation of Psalm 34 to taste and see that the Lord is good? Because what we believe about God will have a life-shaping impact on who we are. A.W. Tozer once asked, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And Karl Barth, one of the 20th century's most influential theologians, once wrote, tell me how it stands with your Christology and I will tell you who you are. Your Christology is just a fancy theological word that simply refers to what you believe about Jesus. Tell me what you believe, really believe about Jesus, and I will tell you who you are. Because your true understanding of who Jesus is, what you actually believe about him, and my actual understanding of who Jesus is, whether it's inaccurate or accurate, is forming who we are. And to see Jesus as gentle and lowly in heart at the core of who he is. That's not how we intuitively think about God. Because sometimes we think of him as cringing when we have to talk to him about the failings and the mistakes we've made. But nothing could be further from the truth. One of the characteristics of our perfect God is his perfect gentleness. It is who he is. It is his very heart. How can I say that? Because Jesus said so himself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How might our lives be different today if we were to put our trust once again or for the first time in this Jesus and discover once again or for the first time that our God is indeed good? Jesus invites us to come and see. To come and see who he is and when we do, we will see God. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together. God, what incredible good news this is to be reminded that at the very core and heart of who you are, that you are gentle and lowly, approachable, compassionate. Your arms are wide open. And God, I think today of anybody here uh, in the sanctuary or watching online may have never come to you. And so I want to pray a simple prayer that if it's your desire to come and see, to come and commit your life to this good God, then would you pray this prayer with me? Thank you, Father, for your incredible love. Thank you for being a compassionate, understanding, welcoming, gracious, patient, loving, forgiving God. Thank you. And I'm so sorry for the ways that I have been selfish, the ways that I have hurt others and myself. I'm sorry for the ways that I've wandered away from what is right. Forgive me, cleanse me from all of that unrighteousness and those mistakes. And would you please fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit or fill me for the first time with your Spirit that I might know the intimate companionship of Jesus. Thank you for your grace and for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you happen to be here today and prayed that prayer, we'd be happy to to know that so we can help you on your journey with jesus and if you're online uh, just let us know by hitting the uh, i commit my life to christ button that's in the chat area and someone will connect you and we can help you get started Uh, we are so excited for for this beginning of your journey with jesus so our god is good if you'd like to pray with someone after the service so uh, members of our prayer team at the lanai please just go on over there and share your prayer request they'd be happy to pray with you and if you're online you can click the Ask for Prayer button and you will be uh, brought into a private conversation with one of our prayer team members. And if you are online and you'd like to join a connect group live on Zoom right after this uh, worship service, just click on the connect group and you can join a small group or you can have a discussion uh, led by a facilitator about uh, today's scripture passage, our worship service and the message. So would you, if you're here in Koala, would you stand as I uh, say this blessing? And now to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and honor both now and forevermore. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. For those of you online we just want to say aloha hui ho we are so grateful that you've joined us hope you have a fantastic week and we'll see you next sunday
0: when we answer the call to taste and see we get to explore the incredible buffet that's open to everyone see for yourself how good jesus is if you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services you can find past sermons on our websites fpchawaii.org, and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and now on YouTube. In-person worship continues, but in limited capacity. There are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. If you'd like to participate, we ask that you sign up through the website on a weekly basis. And both services will be streamed live on the church websites. Once again, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Continue to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, registration for our in-person worship, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything we can do for you, you can always reach the church through the website or just call. 808-532-1111. 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.